Welcome to Listening with Leaders. I'm Doug Noel, lawyer turned peacemaker. I teach executive leaders how to listen to emotions rather than words so that they can become the leaders everyone wants to follow. And I teach those same leaders how to be authentically present, available, and connected to their families, despite being insanely busy. I have learned that we are 98% emotional and only 2% rational. Learning how to listen to emotions is, in my experience, the foundational skill of life. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll reveal how you can be on our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. So let's get started. Michael Pink, welcome to Listening with Leaders. You are the CEO and co-founder of Smart PM, which can be found at smartpmtech.com. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me today. Well, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and, and we, bo- we both come from a construction background. I, from the litigation area, when I was a trial lawyer, I did a lot of construction litigation, and, a, and you were a consultant in, in disputes and claims. So it was pretty interesting to hear that we shared some similar stories. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you got- Sure. How what? And how you got to Smart PM, how you started- oh. Absolutely. Yeah, I will. um, I'll start with getting out of college. Um, I was what's called an industrial engineer. I went to Georgia Tech and uh, industrial engineers are people who help add efficiencies to processes. Right. So somebody who maybe helps an airport be more efficient with processing people or maybe helps the manufacturing company become more lean and optimize and make more profits as a result. So it could be anything uh, helping, you know, processes improve through added efficiencies and and minimizing waste. Um, I had worked for a contractor in college to make some money uh, because it was a good opportunity to just make 15, 20 bucks an hour. And um, they they had very uh, good, good hours that I can choose from to, to make, you know, to work a bunch and make some money. And that was put on my resume. So when I graduated, my one of my offers that I received, which was in New York City, where I wanted to move was with KPMG uh, in their construction consulting group. And what we were doing there, for the most part, was dispute resolution or claims management or claims analysis for projects that had gone over budget and uh, and or were late. Um as well as fraud analysis, actually, we did an investigative and integrity advisory services. So projects that were getting people stealing money and whatnot up in the Northeast, you know, those were other interesting things. But really, what I was able to figure out was how do you take data in construction and and learn about a project better than anybody who lived it such that you could testify to it? Uh, as an expert witness and or, you know, prove that somebody was, you know, prove where all the money went and why it happened, uh, even though the project was, you know, basically done. So I didn't live it. I could go to the data. I could understand it. But the story had to be so accurate that, you know, you could testify to it and write an expert report about it and it would be right. Uh, So really what I had to learn how to do was understand data uh, because it was over. You know, the project was over. And um, that went on for a long time, but I did learn a lot about what data is important in construction. But I also, as I mentioned to you before, you know, I started to see patterns of mismanagement, right? I started to see, you know, areas where I'm sitting there looking at the data going, how did you not know about this at the time? And how did you let it continue on? And how did you not talk about this to fix that problem? 
to now be, you know, months, if not years late and tens, if not $20 million over budget. And who's going to pay for that? Right. And why did, and, and we'd have to not only decide what happened, but who, who was asleep at the wheel while it was happening. And, you know, you just sort of pick up a lot in that process of a lot of breakdowns, you know, again, going back to industrial engineering, I'm a guy who studied added efficiencies and waste. And I'm sitting there on the back end of a project saying, Oh, here's what happened. Uh, so that was something that always perplexed me for years is why am I not helping solve this problem? Um, so that's really where I decided to move is, is not sit there on the back end of a dispute to help somebody argue over money that was gone, but how do we help them look at the data, the good data that I know about now and do it in a manner that doesn't require paying $300 an hour for a consultant um, and do it in a manner where they could look at the data because they had access to it, put it into a system that would enable them to understand you know, the risks and, 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 and all the, the performance issues that are happening in real time so that they could manage outcomes better so they could avoid that problem. And that's really what Smart PM was, was my taking my experience and my understanding of information that was available on projects and coming up with, you know, technology that could analyze that and present it in a manner that people could use uh, before uh, the, the problems happened uh, to, to ultimately get their projects done on time and on budget and stay out of court. It, that sounds like a very complex undertaking mm -hmm. to, build, <laughs> uh, to build a platform that can absorb the data from the various planning programs that contractors and owners and people use to take all that data and then reconstruct it into something that gives you analytical information that you can act on. How, how, yes. how do you go about developing that? Well, first of all, you have to, uh, well, for me, <laughs> I had to not think it was going to be that hard. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to believe that, oh, it's going to be this easy, you know, like, oh, I'll just quit this job and I'll just go, you know, build that thing I can't stop thinking about. And then it'll sell like hotcakes. Um, that's sort of the mindset I went into. Um, I had started a business to get away from the dispute side. And, and I decided that, you know, after a few situations where I was put into a position where my integrity was uh, being questioned, not me personally, but people were asking me to do things that I didn't want to do um, on behalf of customers or clients. And uh, I, I felt like I couldn't, you know, I couldn't, couldn't spin the data enough uh, to make my, my company happy. So maybe I was in the wrong business. So I wanted to be more proactive anyway, and I had some ideas on technology, but I also knew that there was ways to get involved earlier in a project as a consultant. So luckily for me, I started a business where I was able to make money um, and doing something that was more proactive instead of reactive. Uh, and all the while, you know, people were looking for a reasonable, reasonable rate consultant to help them be more proactive. And I was the guy which gave me some runway to explore the idea of building this technology, um, you know, by making some good, you know, some extra money uh, than I was as a salaried employee. So I landed a couple of projects and I was able to, you know, make money and then put some of that money into the building of technology and sort of build a business while building a technology. And while I'm, building that technology and offering a service, I can sort of move into a tech enabled service. 
and then ultimately do that long enough to bring it to a um, a full platform on its own. And that was really the process that we followed, um, was able to bootstrap easier than most because we had a revenue stream and uh, we did provide a service. And then as we built out that technology, we used the technology to be more efficient than the competition. And eventually we're able to create a, a hands-free platform, as I call it, that doesn't require me anymore. You In our Authority Magazine interview, you told a story about that I thought was fascinating, where you were giving it uh, a demo to a potential client and they gave you half of the job data. Tell us what happened there. They gave me half of the job data for what? I think I think they wanted you to demo out the platform and they gave you half the job data. You didn't even have a full job data and you input all the data. And if I recall the story correctly, you predicted within within one day when the when the job. Oh, yes. Yes. This was an interesting one. And this was actually more when I was doing the manual side of things. Um, we uh, we worked on a project down in Brazil. Uh, it was a massive uh, project where we were. Um, asked to study de delays and impacts. There was all sorts of claims. Like this was a big $6 billion or $3 billion project that went to $6 billion steel plant. And, um, you know, they had 10,000 people on site, some people from China, some people from Germany, some people from Brazil. All the contracts were in English, consultants all over the place. And, you know, there was, as soon as these people got working on the job, they secured the contract. They were submitting like, claims for hundreds of millions of dollars. And, um, you know, you've got all these people from all over the world are building this plant for one of the, the biggest companies in the world. And all of a sudden, the budget's getting just absolutely destroyed. And it's, you know, we're about 50% done on the job. And, you know, we we dealt with all the claims. But then the question was, when is this, when is this going to get done? Um, and we, uh, we were asked to take all the schedule data, which was garbage schedule data, by the way. I mean, it was just, they were using like Microsoft Project on this massive, you know, massive billion dollar project. And, you know, usually I see, you know, 50 pages of schedule data and this said like four. Yeah. And I'm like, this is not a schedule, but nonetheless, let's let's take what we can to understand productivity historically and all of that stuff, all the stuff that needs to get done We'll use your schedule as a reference point. We'll fix the logic. We'll start to predict out, you know, based on performance history to date, how long things should take, how many people are required. And then we'll forecast out when you're going to get done. Um, and we did. We 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 did. We, we It was piecemeal data on a half done project, but we were able to figure out productivity rates because it was a steel plant and there was a lot of, you know, installation of steel. And then we had to get into the, you know, electricals and right. commissioning and all that kind of stuff. But we had enough data to do a decent job of understanding performance to date. And it was 50% complete. So that's usually a good indicator. You know, it's a good line to draw uh, to, to, you know, take performance history and, and extrapolate. And um, then we had to, you know, come up with a plan to accelerate through that. But at the end of the day, we told them, you know, you're, they said they're going to get done on like December 15th of whatever year it was. I think it was like 2009. And I said, no, you're going to get done around Thanksgiving on uh, 2010. But if you do these five things, you you know, you get this many resources in this area and you get this many crews in this area and you work weekends, 
you can get it done by September 8th. Um, and they're like, get out of here. <laughs> we can't do not issue that report in anything other than draft. Like I, we cannot report that. Like we've already told them it's getting done on December 15th. Uh, we, if, if we do that, we're going to uh, cause problems with our shareholders and it could cause problems to our stock price. And we're like, well, that's what's going to happen. I mean, that's what the data says. And they're like, nope, we're going to tell everybody it's December 15th. You guys are fired. Go home. Go back to America. Get the hell out of my office. And uh, <laughs> that's what I did. And I forgot about it. <laughs> September 8th, 2010, an email comes across my you know, desk of a picture of steel being made for the first time ever at that plant. And I'm like, boom. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> analytics work. Analytics work. That's a great story. Is that the story? That's, I think, yeah. the story. Yeah. So um, what is it, I, I think I can tell, but what is it that gets you really excited in the morning? You get out of bed and go to work. What gets me excited? Um, well, I can tell you what, these days I get really excited when customers, you know, first of all, decide to buy our product, uh, but more importantly, when they expand. Um, you know, we, we, we don't walk into the industry saying to anybody, you should buy our product and buy it in enterprise. We don't want, we know that the industry is not going to do anything before trying it out on a few projects. But when they decide to expand uh, and go enterprise is, is really, you know, for me, the best because you've proven the value. Um, they feel the value, the, the problem that you promised you would solve or the problems that you promised you would solve for them are seen and understood. And they are willing to put in, you know, put it on every job. Um, and to me, that's great. And it's, you know, it means that they see that we're helping them get their projects done on time and on budget and keeping them out of court to a point where, you know, they rely on the information and, and what we, you know, all the, all the work that we've done to, to, to get this product to solve that problem is, is working. Um, I love that. I'm just curious. That's great. I'm just curious when, when the, I look, when your website and I looked at the different displays and information you can get. Does it, I presume that it gives people alerts. If, if the software, the platform detects a problem, it says, look at this. You know, what, what, we're, what we're seeing here is a problem and here's why. Does yeah, we, we do our best. Um, you know, some it depends on the situation. A lot of our customers, the data gets ingested as part of the process. So yes, they'll receive a notification. And we just did actually roll out our, um, our, our subscription notification uh, system that will, you can set up and anytime a new schedule is loaded, as soon as the analysis is done, certain reports can be sent to different people right to their email. The way that it's structured is, you know, you look at the data and based on the coloring or some of the analytics, it's telling you where all the little problems are uh, through, you know, green, yellow, red type indicators, uh, you know, little, you know, triangles with exclamation points will show you where the issues are. Um, but yeah, it, we do our best to to bring their eyeballs to the areas of risk that they need to know about. And as a matter of fact, our perform our uh, executive dashboard actually in in multiple categories allows you to it brings up your most troubled projects in each category, so you know in your business where to focus because at, at um, Without that information and construction, think of a business that has like 100 projects, 
you know, you don't always know what you're being told from the people at the site is, is true because, you know, they're very op optimistic um, and, you know, never say die type attitudes. So most people say things are great, even though they're not. And that require and, and everybody knows that, but the solution without a technology is to question everything. What we want to do is really hone in on, you know, where are your low hanging fruit areas? Once you get those solved, what's the next bunch of low hanging fruit and do that over and over and over. So that's how we operate. Um, I, I just sounds like your clients would find this extremely efficient and cost effective. Yes. Yes. We get told we don't bill too much. We also get told, but don't bill us more. In the same <laughs> sentence. Sounds like the construction industry. Yeah. <laughs> well, what is it? that you think is unique that you bring to the table that's made all this successful? Um, gosh. Well, I think what number one thing that's unique is that, you know, I think everybody who does what I do or did is always trying to think of, you know, how to make this better. But it's really hard to leave that world of, you know, people being calling you up and paying a lot of money for your time. Um, and walking away from that, that was the thing. When I was talking to the companies I used to work for, I was like, why don't we build this idea I have? And they're like, no, uh, we, we bill hours. <laughs> and I'm like, but we could like bill like a tenth less, you know, like 90% less hours and just charge for software. And they're like, yeah, I know, but that's going to make us less money. And I'm like, but we're solving a problem. It, it was just my, uh, the uniqueness of that was just being willing to walk away from a very if you wanted it to be a very successful financial career, financially successful career, um, and, and doing something that sort of goes against that model um, was number one. Uh, number two, I just, I just know data. Um, I, I just was able to see an industry that, that, that had issues with data and I don't know, math was always my thing. Um, just numbers. I mean, I speak better in numbers than I do in words. Uh, and just, I can get stuck in it. Like, you know, and I just want to know more and more about what, what can I do now with these numbers and how can I take it to another level? And, you know, I want to, I want to advance, like, you know, even when consulting, we didn't have enough time to do everything I wanted to do and take it to a level of accuracy that, you know, you couldn't do without a computer. Uh, that to me was just, just getting better and better and better. And now we're looking at all this data and studying things about the industry that you just would never see without all this data. So to me, that's, that's another thing that gets me up in the morning is, is, is just being able to see numbers and take them to a whole new level. Well, this is really cool. I, what you're doing is really, uh, I'm fascinated by it. Partly because I'm interested. I'm a lawyer, I'm not, and like you are, but I understand the importance of data. Having presented, done hundreds of trials, but also because of my knowledge of the construction industry, I mean, what you're doing strikes me as revolutionary. Um, I hope so. That's that's the goal. One more question: What's one thing about yourself that we wouldn't know unless you revealed it to us? I like soup. <laughs> As a matter of fact, what kind of soup? All soup. Uh, I'm a big soup guy. Uh, I actually was considering right around the time I left my last job. I left my last job without a plan, and I had a baby on the way in two months. I, I did um, too. <laughs> and my wife was like, uh, "What are you doing?" 
And I was like, I don't know. I, I, I just can't take this job anymore. Um, I don't know what I want to do. Uh, I think there's a chance I want to move to Colorado and open up a soup store. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and make really good soup and have it open like right after like lunchtime to maybe like six, seven o'clock and, you know, take all of my favorite soup recipes and just offer them. And, and then my wife was like, yeah, we can do really good high end grilled cheeses. So that was a really cool idea to me at the time. But then I got, you know, through that, somebody called me up and asked if I could do some consulting work on a, a big project out in LA. And, uh, the rest is history. I mean, I took that job and then I, you know, still had this idea about that software and it just sort of went. So the soup business got put on hold. Well, maybe one day after this is all said. Hopefully it's only on the well. (laughs) Michael, it's been great talking with you. Thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Doug Knoll here. Thank you so much for listening to Listening with Leaders. If you are a successful executive leader who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.dougnoll.com slash podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you please share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on the social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag listening with leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to my website, dougnoll.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. That's at Douglas E. Noel. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next show. 